Welcome to My Teacher Friends Podcast. My name is John Peschel. Thank you for downloading today's episode. On today's episode, I sit down with my good friend, Tracy. She talks about her current role, being a new teacher mentor, and also the teaching tip on how to keep a schedule and routine fresh for students and for yourself as a teacher. I love sitting down and learning more from Tracy. I hope you enjoy today's episode of My Teacher Friends featuring my friend, Tracy. So today I am joined by my super smart friend, Tracy, who is a full release new teacher mentor. And so that means that she is released from her classroom and spends her day working with new teachers in their first two years of the profession. Her work involves elevating the teaching and the learning in the classroom across the district. And I definitely want to talk more about that current role, um, which is also the same role that I have right now. But before we get into that, um, I'd like to hear a little bit more about you, Tracy. So can you share about your educational history, where you went to school, other professional experiences that you've had that have led up to your current position? Sure, and thanks for having me. Um, I was born and raised in California. So you're a Cali girl. I am. And do you identify with a Cali girl? <laughs> uh, no. No, I don't. Um, loved living there, though. I mean, the total culture shock, you know, coming to a place that actually has seasons. Um, but like I said, born and raised there, went to school there, went to college there. I went to um, California State Polytechnic. It's in Pomona. Okay. Um, and so it's a commuter college. I got to live at home, work, and go to school. So is this northern, school. central, or southern California? Southern. Southern California. Southern California, okay. yeah. My whole family lives there. Um, I'm one of only two people in the entire family who have ever moved out of the state. My cousin Mike is in Colorado, and I'm here. Yeah. So uh, my family stays there, and they <laughs> stay together. So yeah. uh, it was rough on them, but you know they're supportive at the same time. Yeah, so you went to college there, and then right out of college, did you land a teaching <clears throat> job right away? Did you substitute? Did you do a different career? I actually landed a job right away. Um, I began teaching first grade in uh, Victorville, California. It's the high desert. Okay. People will say it's one of the last stops before you get to Vegas. Ah, So if you're okay. driving from LA to Vegas, Victorville and Barstow are like the two stops that people make to eat and, you know, get back on the road. Right. So it's the desert. Okay. Um, loved it though. I taught first grade for... A couple years, then I went to kindergarten and taught kindergarten for the rest of the time while I was in California. So um, how, how long was that? How many years was that? Uh, ten years. Okay. So you um, were there a while. Yeah. Yeah, I was there for quite a while. Um, met my husband there. He actually was at a job fair and moved, um, got recruited to okay. teach in the high desert, which I don't think he was... 
really prepared for because they show you these beautiful beach and <laughs> which is driving distance but not yeah, outside yeah, the def- window right right um beautiful trees you okay. know and there's joshua trees okay. in the desert you <laughs> right. know so it was a shock um but i met him and we got married and shortly after that we decided that we wanted to move and okay. so we made the move to colorado which is where my cousin is, ah, is at okay um <clears throat> and i started teaching once again first grade okay uh, but just for one year and then i moved into kindergarten again okay and started working on my esl license mm. um we had um it was a magnet school and we bust in our students who spoke russian it was there was a huge Russian population in Colorado at the time. Wow, is there still? Uh, I don't. I don't. Know. I don't know that. Okay. I don't. Yeah. Um, and so we bust students into a school. They didn't get to stay in their home schools at the time. Uh, that may have changed right. since I've right left. But that was presumably kind of the... for the resources and right. Okay. You know. Uh, so then I. Uh, was pursuing my license for ESL and. An opportunity came up. I was in a cohort where if you, it had they had a grant attached, and if you could get an A in the class, they would reimburse you for the class. Okay. So I, and I could do that. I knew I right. could do yes. that, right. um, and I did. Even though I had um, two kids at the time, one of them, Mackenzie, was an infant. I was still nursing, but I still managed to work full time and nurse her and go to school right. and get an A. Do it all, yeah. Um, but there were other people that did not were not able to do that. And so right at the end of that licensing, they extended the grant and said if you want to continue with your masters, which was only like four more classes, they would apply the same grant to that. So as long as I got an A, my master's courses would be paid for. So that's how I ended up with a master's in curriculum instruction. And then my emphasis was ESL. That is a wonderful deal. Right? Where totally do we find paid that? for. Yeah, where do we find that now, right? <laughs> I know. I think what happened was, you know, it's it was the early 90s. Um, uh, no, late 90s. Late 90s, California had gone to... All teachers needed to have have their CLAD license, which was culturally, linguistically, and diverse licenses added. Um, So everybody was asked to go back to school for those licenses. I think they were seeing an influx in Colorado, but didn't have teachers that had that background. And so I think I lucked out and happened to get it right Right. when the need was the big gap. And so they people were writing grants to send teachers to these classes. So what brought you to Wisconsin, where you are now? Right. So, um, like I said, I had two kids. We had two kids at the time, my husband and I. We were now in the middle. We were in a state where um, we really neither one of us had any family. He was from Wisconsin, so all of his family was here. I was from California, so we had to decide like. It's rough raising your family without your family around. Um, And especially when 
they're not all able to travel, um, which both his family and my family, it wasn't as easy as that. Um, so we decided he wanted to go back and um, go to graduate school. Okay. And so he had applied to Madison and got accepted into the PhD program. And so then we decided that we would move somewhere around Madison and we weren't even sure where. We just, I just applied anywhere around the whole <laughs> perimeter of Madison. Like there wasn't a draw because I didn't know anything about the state. So there wasn't a draw for me. Right. And he's not from Madison, but right, from the state. So right. like he, he probably didn't have a strong sense of the different communities around Madison or or did he? Did he? Did no. He, okay. No, you're right. Um, he um, was from Stevens Point, so he knew areas around there, but he didn't have a specific draw yeah. around. So I pretty much applied north, south, west, east, all the way around. I mean, and um, got a job offer right away in Sun Prairie. And okay. so <clears throat> we moved here. Decided we liked it, stayed here even after he was done with school, and we've been lucky enough to stay here the whole time. Yeah, and so um, when you first came to Sun Prairie, you were teaching kindergarten or first grade? First grade first again. Grade. I keep getting first okay, grade right. jobs, and then um, and then a brand new school opened, Horizon Elementary, and I was really excited about that opportunity. I had been in growing districts in California and in Colorado. Both of them were in areas that were just growing at incredible rates, kind of like Sun Prairie, but I had never had the option to open a new school. So that was really exciting. So I applied for that and started teaching kindergarten there. And that's where we met. And that's where we um, met. I, I, you know, I won't diverge too far but I do remember my 30th birthday party us all going out and that was the first time I met your husband right and uh we had a good time and um so we've known each other since then currently uh neither of us are in the classroom we are both full release new teacher mentors so can you talk a little bit about just kind of in general what our job looks like um in our district um, and, and you've been doing this now for four years. So talk to us a little bit about what the job is. Okay. So, um, we get the pleasure of working with beginning teachers that are in their first or second year of teaching. We also work with third years, but, um, most of our work is done with the beginning teachers first and second year. Um, on a daily basis, we have an opportunity to meet with teachers, have them reflect on their practice, think about areas that they want to work on or grow in, but also at the same time, <clears throat> think about what they're doing well and how they've contributed to that success in their classroom. Um, and then how can we support them with those areas that they want to continue to work and grow in. And so that might um, be professional resources that we might provide. We might um, come in and observe and provide feedback to them or take them to go see another teacher that um, could help them in that specific area. So we work with teachers at least 
like the teacher, we would probably see them two times a week um, for the entire school year. Mm -hmm. um, and that is one of the things that I love about this job is that they are so excited about their job and their opportunity to be in the classroom that it just reminds me of that time when I was so excited about teaching. Yeah. So what do you think? Um, so, you know, four years ago, over four years ago, this posting came out. Um, what what drew you to the posting before you had started the work? Why did you why did you apply for this job? What was your hope? And then how has that uh, how has it changed? How is it different than what you expected? OK, so um, I didn't know if I ever wanted to do the position, honestly. Um, in the beginning, it was a limited term. So I always kind of had this nervousness like, what if I don't know what I want to do after three years? Mm -hmm. and, and what if I don't want to go back into the classroom? Or what if I do and I can't be in my position? Because a few years ago, it was um, the, 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 the position was a three-year position. So you would be pulled out of your classroom for three years, and then you would go back to the classroom or onto something else after those three years. Correct. Now that has changed. But at the time, you were thinking, so th do I want three years out of the classroom? Right. But I had friends that I knew. So I knew Deb, who was in the position before me, which is the position that I took. And <clears throat> before that... Aloy, who is now the program manager, um, and I knew them ahead of time, and they would talk about the position, and it sounded so interesting to work with beginning teachers, and I would always get encouragement from the admin and the colleagues that I worked with that, oh, you, you always are such a good listener, and you're so helpful, and you always help me problem solve. Thank you, you know, and so then I started thinking, maybe I could do this with adults on a bigger scale. Yeah. And so then when the position came up, I was like, you know what? I know it's three years, but it'll be fine because I can teach anywhere. I mean, I love kindergarten, so I can do that again, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I applied for the position and, um, now the term is not there. So, right. um, now I'm staying, but then while, after I started this position, um, I started realizing <clears throat> that I love the impact that I'm having on my beginning teachers and the impact that they're having on their students. And so when a colleague said she was going to begin her um, master's program to get her principal license mm -hmm. I decided to jump on board with that even if I didn't do it full-time it would give me opportunities to do more leadership responsibilities right and so that's what I did and I had the opportunity to do summer school principal and I'm liking that right um, another way to impact more kids than just in the classroom correct and so I'm looking forward to that next step in my life yeah. and um, it'll happen when it happens and I'm not in a rush, but I would love for it to happen as well, if that makes sense. It, like, it does. It does. Um, but I, I want to take you back to those classroom years just a little bit longer. Okay. 
What would you say is the one thing you really miss about being a classroom teacher? Oh my gosh. Um, Five-year-olds show you all of their emotions. They don't hide their emotions. <laughs> There's no holding back. There is no holding back. So what I miss is that realness. Like you always know when your kids are excited about what they're doing or if they love you, they're right. showing you that. Um, if they're frustrated, like that realness with kids and being able to connect with them every single day, I miss that yeah. sometimes. And, and you don't get that same fix when you're just in a classroom once or twice a week with a teacher because it takes so long to actually connect with those students when you only see them That's what I'm experiencing now, right? So we're at the end, um, we're recording this at the end of a school year. And... Um, I'm just now starting to really have some connections with the students in the classrooms where I'm supporting the teacher and the learning. And so just when I feel like I kind of get to know them and they kind of get to know me because I'm in, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour each week, um, I'm just starting to get to know them. And then next year they're going to be spread out in different classrooms and I will lose a little bit of that connection. Right. And, you know... <clears throat> They'll, as long as you're in the same building, they'll see you and they'll say Correct. hi yep. because they'll recognize you. It's just different. It is you know, different. It's, it's different when they were your kids and you had them every day, all day. Um, and if I could just add one more thing. Yeah. Um, when a kid learned to read or accomplish something, um, you that's a feeling that I wouldn't miss like I could just live off of that forever because they are so excited when they finally realize hey I can read that all by myself and then you it's a that's your accomplishment you know that you help them do that um so and, that, so, and I, I think that's what makes so I've taught first grade I've never taught kindergarten but I think that's what made uh first grade uh a, a grade that I loved mm -hmm. as well um, they, they're starting to get some independence and they just beam with self pride when they get it. Right. They do. Um, <clears throat> and then they aren't afraid to go on once they've accomplished that, you know, cause they've got all of this now newfound yeah. independence and yes. confidence yes. and they're just like, I can tackle the world. <laughs> Anything. And you then know? sometimes second grade, we, second grade, <laughs> it changes a little bit since second grade. But, uh, yeah, I understand. I understand what you mean. <laughs> they are, um, they're fearless sometimes oh, in yeah. first grade. Um, well, we're going to move on to the next section of um, our discussion, the timed test. So okay. I, I've told this story before on the podcast. I always had terrible test anxiety. I think back to third grade, those multiplication time tests. And I don't know if that oh, was a yeah. California thing. or if Oh, we had them too. Okay. Yep. And so it would just stress me out. And so I'm going to flip the flip the table and now you're as a teacher going to feel a little bit of that time test anxiety okay. so i'll set the timer for one minute um these are short answer questions uh you can think and expand on them or you can just give quick 
one-word answers, and it'll be done in 60 seconds. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Favorite month of the school year? September. Favorite read-aloud book to read to kids? Caps for sale. Favorite thing to do in the summer that you don't do during the school year? Sit in my hammock and read. Would you rather lead professional development or take professional development? Take professional <laughs> development. <laughs> would you rather teach year-round or teach and have summers off? I would rather teach year-round. First name of a student that has had a huge impact on you? Ooh, Anna. Teacher's lounge. Always, sometimes, never. Uh, sometimes. Going into school on the weekends. Always, sometimes, never. Okay, it used to be always. Uh, <laughs> it would be never if I was back in the classroom now. <laughs> and staff get-togethers. Always, sometimes, or never. Yeah, sometimes. And that's it. Oh, that you was made painless. It. Yes, good, good. I'm glad it didn't increase your anxiety too much. Well, and I have to say that I used to give those same time tests. I know. I did too. For a long time. I did too. So. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that is not a common practice anymore. I know that there's still some teachers that really um, believe in that practice, but I think we're seeing it less and less as we see it, what it's doing to our kids. Right. Right, because it's more about do they have the strategies to solve the problems than it is just this rapid answer, you know. Um, so, anyway. so next, I would love to turn it over to you a little bit to give our listeners um, a few teaching tips. So um, what is a teaching tip, something that has worked for you in your classroom or worked works for the teachers that you support that um, you'd like to share with our listening audience. Okay, so I do have one. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's it was always great when I could keep to a schedule as much as possible. Um, it eliminates some of the anxiety that kids feel. They know what to expect. They know when things are going to happen. And especially right now when we have some kids that are going through so many traumatic things in their lives, um, they, they want that consistency and that safety and, and sticking to a schedule as much as possible um, really helps them with that and that predictability. Um, and with, but with that said, um, you have to be excited about what you're doing. And I know, I mean, I remember I would get to that, you know, 150th day and I was like, because oh in the garden, you're counting do it down. The, yes. You're counting down, right? You're counting down, and you're like, <laughs> this calendar is brutal. Right. You know, like you just can't seem to do it again. Right. Okay, so then you need to change it up. So change up what you're, keep the schedule the same, but maybe change up how you're teaching that particular topic or subject so that you can keep that fresh for yourself. Because if you're bored, your kids are going to be bored. But if you're excited about it, then your kids are going to be excited about it. So they can read you. And if you're standing up there like, okay, what's the day of the week? You know, they're not going to be excited about that. Right. But if you can kind of change it up a little bit and ask different questions or maybe do a different style and have the kids leading parts of it, because now they've done it so much, you know, it just changes it enough to make 
them excited and you excited. I love this this uh, tip that you're giving because I feel like uh, sometimes we get stuck in the um, all or nothing one way or the other. That we either have strong structure to support kids and make them feel safe and you know have a sense of routine or we need to try something different and have fun. But what you're really saying is that we can do both. Right, right. So I used to just do the same schedule because that's what was comfortable for me. Like I used to just day in, day out, 180 days. Right. You could pretty much bank on what was going to come out of my mouth. But then I started learning different strategies for how to get the kids involved in the teaching components um, within a subject. And I started playing with that a little bit. You still keep the schedule the same. You still keep your routines the same. Um, but it just looks a little different. Mm -hmm. Um, and it might be led in a different way. And so, so some of those ideas, leading it in a different way, having students take over some of the leadership, um, or, you know, some of the, the, the teaching, um, what are some other ways that, that you can stick with that same structure, that same schedule, but make things look a little bit different within its context? Like, like maybe... Could you give us a, an example of, you know, in either reading or writing or math of what that might look like? Right. So you, you mentioned the, the student led. So if you're not at a point where that's an option, um, maybe as a teacher, you're adding more, you're adding more visuals or opportunities for students to actually engage with the material. Um, I know that like in some prairie, we have the luxury of having smart boards, um, but it doesn't have to be smart boards. It can just be opportunities where kids are given opportunities to do some of the writing um, with the teacher or um, with help support from the teacher. Right. Um, also providing opportunities, more opportunities for the students to do a turn and talk or in small group, let's solve this problem. Um, but instead of always having them do it on their own, having them do it in partners or have them doing it in small groups and let them struggle through it a little bit and mm -hmm. problem solve with their with their peers, um, they'll enjoy it. Um, even if it's even if it's a struggle in the beginning, they'll get more out of it and they'll um, come to like that part of the day. Right, and I can see that really happening in the area of math. You know, going deeper into a problem or two instead of, um, you know, just going deeper, going deeper in learning. Right. And, you know, we <clears throat> we get really good at questioning in reading. Mm -hmm. Like, what was the author's intent? How did the characters change? But we also need to think about how can we use those same deeper level questions in math. Right. Um. It, so instead of just that rote, like, let's just get through the calendar, or let's just get through the lesson um, that we sometimes have a tendency to do, like, slow down and start posing some questions where the kids really have to think. Um, and I honestly think they will enjoy it more. Right. Um, because they are going to get invested in that learning because they had to problem solve themselves. And like so. you said that, you know, if, 
if you're a little bored with teaching, right. the students are going to be as well. Right. Um, and so um, I think being, being aware and being uh, reflective of what you're seeing in front of you as a teacher can be a really good indicator of when you need to try something a little bit different. Right. So, you know, one of our workshops, we talk about what um, the compliance doesn't mean that the students are necessarily listening. <clears throat> so if your students are sitting there and they're completely quiet, um, they may not actually be following along as much as the one who is kind of yelling out the answers and seems to be actually engaged in what you're having to say. And so it, that actually is a good uh, way to reflect on whether or not you're kind of boring your kids. If they're just sitting there all being quiet and compliant, <laughs> they may not actually be as engaged as you think they are. And when we think about those students that are shouting out answers, uh, a different way to think about those students is, is maybe those students are the ones that are most engaged right. in the learning. I would agree, yes. And um, so I think that's, that's a good reminder that when we, when we have students who are shouting out and want to change that behavior, we need to really think about um, what the student is really showing us there. Right. Yeah, and what, and what could they offer the class because they are so excited and engaged in what's happening. So, Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, sure. I think it's um, a good reminder right now at the end of a school year, but it's also something to really think about, um, you know, during the middle of the school year um, when we've set strong routines um, that will help kids feel safe and comfortable. And we need to make sure that we're having a little fun too. Yes. Um, so before we wrap things up, um, I would love for you to share some of your advice with the listeners. So I have two questions and you can kind of answer them together or separate however you want. But um, the questions are, what advice do you give to someone entering their first years of teaching, the first few years of teaching? And what advice do you have for someone entering their last few years of teaching? Okay, so first few years, um, <clears throat> one of the things that comes to mind is don't be afraid to hug or high five or just have fun with your kids. Um, I had a fairly challenging childhood. And when I think back on the teachers that impacted my life the most, it was the ones who would offer that hug when I needed it or just have a good time with the class. Um, when I think about my favorite teacher, it was somebody who laughed with us and not like always telling jokes. That's not what I'm talking about, but just genuinely enjoyed us and had fun with us. And I think sometimes we get afraid to do that because we think maybe we're going to lose control of the class or lose management, um, but you won't. You'll actually gain more respect because you're going to be connecting with them on a level that they need. Um, and so that would be my I advice. thought about that too. I thought about, you know, letting kids see us as real people. 
uh, not just as the teacher that's going to tell them what to do. I think that's a, um, an important way to form that connection to help kids feel comfortable um, regardless of what, what their world is like outside of the building walls, um, that we want them all to feel safe and comfortable and connected while we have them. Right. And I think sometimes we worry about <clears throat> what that's going to look like. Mm. Um, and so let your heart tell you what to do there and follow it because it's the right thing to do. So Same advice for those entering their last few years or would you uh, give them some different advice? Probably the same advice, but I would also add like, I'm thinking go out on top. Mm. You've had a great um, time in your profession, a great career, and you want to end on that same high note. Um, you want to leave when kids are still talking about you and thinking about you. And you can do that by staying with your kids all the way to the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. And that can be hard when you're looking at Change. your next phase yeah. of life, right. you know. Um, <clears throat> but I would have to say, like, end on top. I love it. Yeah. We're going to end our podcast right there. Thank you, Tracy, so much for sitting down and talking to me. I know that um, you were a little bit nervous before. <laughs> Hopefully we made this just conversational and casual and it wasn't as scary as you thought it would be yes thank um, you but uh it has been great to um sit down i i enjoy our conversation so much so thank you very much for being with me today you're welcome and thanks for having me and that's it for another episode of my teacher friends i'd love to know what you think of the podcast send me an email at myteacherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like the show on Facebook, My Teacher Friends Podcast, and be sure to tell a friend about the show. We are always looking for new listeners. Until next time, remember, be kind to kids. <laughs>